Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible as well as your prayer requests. And we have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. to take those calls, to pray for your prayer requests on the air, along with those who are listening, and to answer your questions you have about the Bible, about God, about theology, and about how all of these things pertain to our lives here and now. So I would love to hear from you, and you know that there are a lot of people listening who would probably benefit from the same question that you have. There's probably others out there who have that same question. And if you have a prayer request, just know there are so many people listening who can agree with us in prayer and say yes and amen. So that's a powerful thing. Don't hesitate to call in with your prayer requests. Okay, so the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. Hey, I want to welcome those of you who are listening on all of our different stations. So we're just so blessed and encouraged to have this show be broadcast all over the United States as well as online. And so welcome to those of you who are listening in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. You're hearing the show live today. And as well, those who are listening on gracefm.com and the Grace FM app. So any of you out there who haven't yet downloaded the Grace FM app, really encourage you to do so. You can listen to this show live anywhere in the world, and you can also listen to the other great Bible teaching programs that are um, broadcast on this show at other times. We have listeners today. Um, I'm looking at the app info. It looks like we have listeners today in Southern California, Pacific Northwest, in uh, Oregon and Washington. We've also got a bunch here along the front range of Colorado. And that's interesting because, you know, even myself, I don't have a radio at home anymore. So when I listen to Calvary Live, I always listen to it uh, on the Grace FM app. So, yeah, I just encourage you, if you haven't yet done so, it's a free app. Just type in Grace FM, no spaces, into your App Store or Google Play Store and get that on your phone or your tablet. You can also get it on your smart speaker. And so you can just tell it to tune into Grace FM and it'll do that anywhere in the world. Really cool. We've got listeners in the Midwest and into, looks like, Dallas area, Chicagoland, uh, Indianapolis. We've got listeners in southern Canada, which I guess is where most of the people in Canada live. And we've also got listeners along the eastern seaboard as well as some in Europe. So welcome to those of you listening online and um, welcome to those listening on Grace FM. We also want to welcome those who are listening on the 
uh, Radio by Grace network of stations. Radio by Grace has stations all over the United States, primarily in the southern U.S., and they're based in Amarillo, Texas, and we're uh, really glad to partner with them. So if you're listening on Radio by Grace or you're listening on Grace FM today, you're hearing the show live. Today is August 12th. It's a Friday, beautiful day here in Colorado. Uh, where I'm broadcasting from in Longmont, Colorado. We also want to greet our listeners on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland, as well as those on Truth FM in Tennessee and those on Higher Rock Radio in Meridian, Idaho. So welcome to all of you who are listening in all those different places. Welcome to the program. Again, this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. And we have people standing by every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time, taking your prayer requests, praying for them on the air, and answering your Bible questions. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church located in Longmont, Colorado. We're a Calvary Chapel affiliated church here in this great city. And um, I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. And it's just a great blessing and privilege to get to speak with so many of you, to hear your voices, to respond to the questions you have about God in the Bible. So I'd love to hear from you. Uh, we have open lines right now, so it's a perfect time for you to call in. Again, the number 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Our church is located in on the east side of Longmont, right on Highway 119. So if you're listening to this and you're within driving distance of where we're at, I'd love to personally invite you to come and worship with us this Sunday. We have services three times on Sunday, so three services at 8 a.m., 9.30, and 11 a.m. in their worship and the Word. We start with uh, worship music and praising the Lord, and then we switch over to the next part of our service, which is the study of God's Word, and then we finish with communion every Sunday. And so uh, this current season, we're studying through the book of Second Corinthians in a series called Strength in Weakness. It's really one of my favorite books of the Bible. I was told recently that I say that about all the books that we study in the Bible, and that's true, man. I love the Bible, but this one, it has a special place in my heart. So many special and meaningful verses in this for me. Particularly, I'd say one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and that's the section we're currently in. So we broke it up into three uh, weeks that we're looking at this one chapter. So this week, we're going to be looking at a message called Compelled by the Love of Christ. It's a really important message because if in verses 11 through 15 of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul talks about what motivates him in life. I think that's such an important question. Like, what are the things that motivate you, that compel you to do the things that you do? I mean, we all consume so many uh, forces, right, that, that like try to compel us to do things. So there's marketing, there's peer pressure, there's fear, And yet, Paul says, you know what, there's something that is even more powerful than that. In fact, there are two things that are more powerful than peer pressure, fear, and marketing. Or as Ron Swanson, for those of you who remember Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson famously said, there's only three ways to motivate people, fear, money, and hunger. Well, Paul the Apostle says, well, actually, there are at least two other ways to motivate people, and they're even more powerful. And he says, first of all, the first one that 
compels us is um, the the knowledge of the fear of the Lord, which means this, that we know that sin is a serious thing and that there's coming a judgment from a righteous and holy God. And yet Jesus has provided a way for us to be saved by giving himself as a sacrifice for us. And knowing that, it compels us, Paul says, he says, therefore, we try to persuade people. Well, what do we, what does that mean? Well, we persuade them by removing intellectual barriers and by persuading them of the truth. And the second thing he says, we're compelled not just by the knowledge of this truth and, and this, um, the fear of the Lord, but we're also compelled by the love of Christ that moves us because he gave his life for us. Therefore, it compels us to give our lives to God and serve others in his name, carrying out his mission. So I'm passionate about this section. I'd love to share it with you this Sunday. I'll be there. Uh, would love to have you join us at our church. You can find information and directions, all that good stuff by looking us up online, whitefieldschurch.com, or you can just Google us or search for us in whatever search engine or map you use, and it's Whitefields Community Church. Just remember, Whitefields is two separate words. So Whitefields Community Church we're located at 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, right in between downtown Longmont and I-25. So very conveniently located for those of you who are coming off the I-25 corridor or up the 287 corridor County Line Road. And so we'd love to have you if you're within driving distance and you can check us out online as well. Find out all the information you need at whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our first caller, Jackie in Tennessee. Hi, Jackie. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. I got two I got two questions for you. Okay. The first one is uh, when people say, uh, Pastor, will I, uh, will I be able to go to heaven? And sometimes pastors say, yeah, you'll be in heaven. The pastor don't know if you're going to be in heaven or not. Only mm. person put you in heaven is God. He can put you in heaven or hell. He said, fear him who, who could put you in heaven or hell. Don't feel, fear man. So when you're asking a pastor a question, Pastor, I can do all this and all that. Pastor, oh, yeah, you'll be in heaven. No, you don't. No, no pastor know that. Only God know that. Mm, yeah, okay. I mean, good point. I, I would put it this way. God tells us in his word that if we do certain things, we can be assured that we will have salvation, right? But at the end of the day, you can't see my heart and I can't see your heart. Only God can know what's really, truly in the heart of a person whether we have truly trusted in Jesus for our salvation. But I'll put it this way to you. I, I have known people throughout the years who have said, I don't know if I'll go to heaven. I sure hope I will. And I'm like, you know, you can have a lot more assurance than that. And it's not based on you doing the right things or being an awesome person. It's purely based on you taking hold of by faith what Jesus did for you and trusting in what he did for you, not in what you do as your good works. And so, I mean, if you, I mean, th there's a point with this where we say, hey, look, the Bible speaks super clearly to this. And to not acknowledge that is in a sense to not trust God, right? Like, let me give you an example. Romans ten thirteen says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if we say, well, you can't really know, that's a little bit undermining what it says here. But on the other hand, right? No individual can really know about another individual. That's something that only God can know. I know the heart. And Pastor, I got a question for you. We're going back to the Corinthians. In the book of Corinthians, 
Corinthians 1 talks about marriage, divorce, okay? Chapter 7, principle of marriage, okay? Jesus said, Moses said divorce, you know, give a bill of divorce. Moses said that because of the hardness of man's heart. God didn't say that, period. He said if the, if the wife leaves, depart from my husband, let her stay not married unless she get back with her husband. Other than that, you stay single, period. Go back to the first husband. But then it goes that if the husband leave, let him leave. The wife is not enslaved to her husband anymore. But he didn't go back and say, hey, you can remarry. You know, I feel sorry for the people who married third, fourth, fifth, sixth, eight times. That's not right, period. Even the second time is not right. Something mm. should be in your heart with that. You know, God said if your husband leaves, you're not enslaved. You're not in bondage to yeah. So, so let me jump in here. I can tell that you're very passionate about this. I'll tell you, you're you're quoting from two different passages, and I would say you're quoting them correctly, but I'm not sure that that's the only conclusion to reach after reading those passages. Let me explain. Uh, Matthew 19 teaches about divorce, where Jesus himself says those things which you mentioned, right? He said that uh, from the beginning, God's design was one man and one woman together forever before God. What God has joined together, let no man separate. But then he says, because Moses, right, gave a command that you can give a certificate of divorce. And he said, well, it's because of the hardness of your hearts that Moses allowed you to divorce. But it was not from the beginning that it was so. And then he goes on to say, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, marries another and commits adultery. Okay, so uh, Jesus is saying there's, there's a provision here for divorce in extreme cases. The extreme case he gives is sexual immorality. And he says that that would be the only excuse for a marriage to be dissolved through divorce. Okay, then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, as you rightly said. And there Paul the Apostle is addressing a situation. And here was the situation. It's really important to understand what he's addressing, right? Because because if you understand what he's addressing, you understand he's He's answering questions that are maybe not the same questions that we're asking. He's answering the questions that they were asking. And the question they were asking was really this. Um, if you're a Christian, and let's say you were married before you were a Christian, and the person you're married to is not a Christian, or let's say you, were, you are a Christian, and you married a person who wasn't a Christian, even though the Bible advises against that, then what should you do? Should, is it better, essentially this was their question, is it better to divorce your spouse so that you can be not married to that, not married to an unbeliever or so that you can marry a believer? And a lot of people found that to be very compelling and they wanted to do it. Yeah, I should divorce my unbelieving spouse because how awesome would it be to be married to a Christian? And I've talked to lots of people in our day and age who say that same thing. And I'm married to this person. They're not a believer. Maybe I, you know, got married before I was a committed Christian, or maybe I just, you know, didn't take what the Bible said seriously enough, and I married somebody who wasn't a believer. Now what should I do? Should I divorce them so that I can have an ideal marriage with a believer? And Paul's response to that is, no, you shouldn't. But he says, but you know what? If they leave you because you became a Christian, then let them go. Or you know what? If they leave you for whatever reason they leave you for, if your unbelieving spouse abandons the marriage, then you are Free. In other words, you're no longer bound by that marriage. Now, here's the question. You, you uh, made a quick turn there to talking about remarriage, which is not something that's actually addressed in the text. Um, and so 
I would just say this, that Jesus did talk about remarriage. And, um, and of course, he said that we should be very cautious about it because there's a, there's a degree of adultery and quite how that works is very difficult to understand. But here's the point. If you are not bound in marriage, then are you free to be remarried? I would say that it's certainly not a demand that you get remarried. Paul's advice is actually that it's better to stay single and focus your attention on the Lord. But he says, you know what? If if there's so much temptation that you're burning with passion, then it's better for you to marry than to burn with passion. That's uh, 1 Corinthians 7 verse 9. And so in these cases, I think it is advisable to take them on a case-by-case basis, um, to look at the circumstances of it, and to use wisdom discernment and grace in, in these matters. And yet we, we adhere to the truth. But uh, hey, I thank you for bringing up the topic. It's a really big and important one and great questions. Keep tuning in and keep calling in to the show there, Jackie. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. Pastor Nick Katie here from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got one open line with the end of that call. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Abraham. He's in Colorado on the road. Hi, Abraham. Welcome to the program. Hi. How are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing great. What can we do for you? So, I guess I have a a prayer and a question. Um, okay. I'll try to be brief in case anyone else wants to talk as well, but. Um, I'm just, I've gone to like accountability groups and I have an accountability body for, and, and this is specifically having to do with sexual morality and stuff. And I had abstained from it for a while and now I just seem caught up in the trap of it. And it's kind of luring me in, um, starting to become kind of a repetitive cycle again. And, um, I just really want to be free because I know that, um, this verse that I've that some of my brothers have been kind of encouraging me with is that if the Son has set you free, you know, be free indeed. And I know I've already given my life to Christ, but I just don't feel free from this. And, mm-hmm. um, I know sometimes God allows us to have thorns, and I'm not saying that it's His will that I wrestle with this, or that I, well, maybe not at the very least that I wrestle with it, but that I um, am submitting to it because it is causing Him to grieve, and so. I guess my question is, like, how do, like, how much longer am I going to have to deal with this? I know I know that's kind of, like, mm-hmm. probably not, that's maybe more of a God question, but um, in, the, in the times that I do do this, I feel, like, so separate from God, even though I know, like, everyone tells me, like, He's close, and for us that are believers, that He resides in us, and so how is it that He feels so far away when He lives in us. Like, I just don't understand that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I would say that I think you're right in that having that sense that what you're doing grieves the Lord. I think that's true. And I don't say that to be harsh on you. I just say, I I don't think it would be advisable for you to, to suppress that feeling and just be like, no, it's okay. He's okay with it. I think that you're right in feeling that sense of guilt. And, and I say this cautiously because here's the thing. Like in our society, right, there's this very big pushback against the feeling of guilt, right, where we think that guilt is a feeling that we need to suppress and get rid of. 
But actually guilt, if it's done right, and this is what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, right? That there's a kind of godly repentance, right? Godly uh, sorrow that leads to repentance. Like that's a good thing, right? And then there's also ungodly sorrow that leads us to run away from God, right? And so that's the sense, that's the difference we tend to make between the words conviction and condemnation, right? Conviction is that godly sorrow that says, what I'm doing is not right. It's not honoring the Lord and it's, it's damaging my relationship with God and therefore I don't want to do it. If that's the feeling and the conclusion, don't ever let go of that. Like one of the things I tell people is that what happens is that as we sin, the Holy Spirit, of course, brings conviction. But if you ignore that conviction, if you try to suppress it, if you say that you don't care and you just move on, then what happens is that you develop what the Bible calls a calloused heart. And if a calloused heart is just like calluses on your fingers or anything else, right? Like where, where what used to be soft and sensitive is now hard and unfeeling. And that can happen to our hearts as well as we, you know, tolerate sin in our lives, for example. And so the, the idea here is that what you don't want is to be, get to the place where the same things that used to cause you a lot of consternation and, and really sorrow, they no longer cause that. That means you've developed a callous heart. You're no longer feeling. So what I tell people is that if you feel guilty about the things that you've done, if you feel bad, that's that's actually kind of a good thing. It's like a sign of life. Like if you poke a person and they don't feel anything, that means that something's wrong. But if you poke a person with a, I don't know, a needle or a stick and they say, ow, well, that means that they're alive. And so I would say, you know, rejoice in the fact that you feel something and you feel that sense of conviction. And yet don't let it just stay there. Don't just let it stop with, man, I feel bad about this. And now I'm going to just move on or something like it has to be this thing that leads you to repentance. And here's what I would tell you. I would say that what the Bible describes of our relationship with God is that it's like a walk. And, you know, the thing about walking is there's a couple aspects to it that are really important to remember. Walking implies progress in a certain direction and walking implies repeated actions. Right. But they're repeated small actions. They don't seem huge. Right, taking if you take one step, you're basically where you were when you started. But if you take if you keep making steps over time, you can walk around the whole world. In fact, in a way, walking is more powerful than running. Because the thing about walking is because the power of it, the iron ironic thing is that the power of it is in the simplicity and the smallness of it. It seems like such a small thing, but you can walk for miles, you can walk around the world if you want, right? In a way that you couldn't if you were running because you can't keep up that pace. And so here's what I would tell you. Just keep walking with the Lord. I, I picture Abraham, right? You remember God told him, you know, essentially, Abraham, take my hand and walk with me and I'm going to show you where you should go. He didn't know where he was going. But as he followed God yeah. step by step, you know, for a little while, he looked over his shoulder, he could still see his house. It felt like he hadn't gone very far. But after a while, you know, his house disappeared beyond the horizon. Then his town disappeared beyond the horizon. And the next thing he knows, he's gone quite a ways. So that's what I would tell you. Keep making those steps. It may not feel like you're making progress as fast as you'd like, but keep doing it. The second thing I'll tell you is this. I think with any of these things, you know, St. Augustine had a really important thing to say about sin. And he said that if you look at what sin is, even biblically, 
Sin is uh, what he called disordered love, which means that there's a desire that you have, and that desire is ultimately a desire for God, but you are looking to fulfill it in cheap ways that will ultimately leave you empty and even destroy your soul. And I think that that's true. It's true of drugs. It's true of pornography and other things, other sexual you know, addictions and misbehaviors is, is that there, there's something in you that longs for something. Now, at the root of that longing is Jesus. And yet you're trying to, it's, it's like if you were trying to sati satiate your hunger by eating junk food, right? At the end, it's going to ruin you. It'll even kill you, right? But what you can do is re recognize the fact that you, what you need is not to have less desires. What you need is to rightly direct your desires. And here's the last thing I'll say. Augustine or Augustine or Augustine, depending on how you pronounce it, he said the only way to change our desires is to desire something, is to find something that is more desirable than the th than the other thing. And that's what I would really encourage you to do. I think that's really the solution here is to recognize that you in Christ are dead to sin, but you're alive to Jesus. And furthermore, Jesus is more desirable than this sin, than this habitual behavior, right? And so how do you begin to look to Jesus in a way that makes him seem to you more and more desirable to the point where you say, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a little success here and then a little bit more later, but you're saying, I want you, Jesus, more than I want this thing. And I know that this thing is not helping my relationship with you. So that, that would be my advice to you. Thank you. Yeah, let me pray for you before you go. Heavenly Father, I pray for Abraham, but I know there's also so many other people listening who, who struggle with the exact same thing he does. I, I thank you that he's not alone. I thank you that he has other people around him who support him and encourage him and who don't condemn him. Lord, thank you that neither do you condemn him. But Lord, thank you that by your spirit, you're doing a work of sanctification in his life. And I pray, Lord, that that work, that he would see some progress in it, that he would feel uh, encouraged in the sanctifying work that you're doing. And I pray, Lord, he wouldn't ever lose that sense of conviction of the Holy Spirit by hardening his heart. I pray that you'd be with him. Give him victory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, God bless you, Abraham. Thanks so much for your honesty and for calling in. This is such an important topic that so many people deal with. Yeah, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, um, for those of you, before we go to our next caller, I just want to tell you that there's a ministry at Calvary Church in Aurora for those who, who want to be part of it. It's a 12-week-long um, process. It's very um, confidential, and it's called Pure Life Ministry. It's going to start August 30th at 7 p.m. You can email for information plm at calvaryco.church or you can call 303-628-7200. One more time, 303-628-7200 for more info and to get signed up. Hey, we're coming right up to our mid-show break. Um, so Lynn in Maryland, we're going to get to you right after the break as well as Eleanor and Loveland. But we also have one open line. Love to hear from you. The number to call with your questions about the Bible, your questions about um, how the Bible applies to life, as well as your prayer requests. Give us a call at 
690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Again, that text line uh, 720-336-0897. We'll also get to our text callers right after that. And uh, yeah, just as we're waiting for this last end of the show, let me just give you a quick plug. I write a blog. I have a website, nickkady.org. And over there, I write some articles. Some of them are really similar to the kind of stuff that we talk about here on this show, answering questions about the Bible, relating how the Bible relates to relevant cultural issues. If you're looking for something good to read that would be encouraging, check that out, nickkady.org. Today, I just wrote a post uh, about Alex Jones, the truth, and the compelling love of Christ. So if that's of interest to you, check that out at nickkady.org. We'll be right back with Calvary Live in two minutes' time after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've had some great calls so far with really good questions about the Bible as well as some prayer requests, and we'd love to hear from you. We have full lines right now, but what that means is that when you hear a call end, then give us a call, uh, and then you will have an open line, or you can text us. So the number to call, just so you can save it in your phone or write it down, is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000, or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Lynn in Columbia, Maryland. Hi, Lynn. Welcome to the program. Yes, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just finished reading Second Chronicles, and I have a question because throughout the first, second Kings and first, second Chronicles, every time at the death of a king, whether they are they loved the Lord or they were rebellious, um, for example, today Second Chronicles chapter thirty-five, verse twenty-six about Josiah. Uh, at the other events of Josiah's reign and his acts of devotion, according mm-hmm. to what is written in the Law of the Lord and 27, all the events from beginning to end are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. So I have a question about this book of the kings of Israel and Judah. Is it the same as First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, or is this the book of the kings of Israel and Judah, some book? outside of the biblical canon? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And so people are kind of split on that, to be honest with you. Like, not everybody uh, agrees on that. Um, but I'll tell you my take on it. I I actually think it is referring to the books of First and Second Kings. But I would say this, that perhaps there were things that um, didn't make the final cut of First and Second Kings. In other words, some things that got left on the editing floor because there was a very important and necessary like um, interest amongst the people of Israel to make sure that there was a distinction between what was inspired by God and what was not inspired by God. 
you know, and so like what was canonical and what was not canonical. And so it would seem to me that there was perhaps even some editing done on the books of first and second Kings that said, okay, well, this is the part, these things are really inspired by the Lord and we can all see that these other details, perhaps not necessary, not helpful. And I think it's important to remember that even the historical books of the Bible, the Bible doesn't serve primarily to be a historical book. And one of the good examples of that is like Genesis chapter five. I think it's such a good example because if the point of Genesis is just to be history, then why does Genesis five skip over 1,600 years of human history in one fell swoop? Like clearly it's telling us historical things, but the purpose is not to give us an exhaustive history. It's to tell us certain details which are absolutely necessary for us to understand who God is and what God's plan is for the world and for, for redemption, salvation. So uh, all that to say, when it says all the acts that he did, I'm looking, for example, at chapter 36, verse 8. It says the rest of the acts of Jehoiakim, the abominations he did, what was found against him are written in the books of the kings of Israel and Judah. I do believe that that is referring to First and Second Kings. But um, does it include every single thing that he did? Uh, no, it does include um, many of his acts and the things that were held against him. Um, those are written in First and Second Kings. And yet not every detail of his life is. And so um, well, I think... that's good enough for me. Yeah. I mean, actually, it's, sometimes it's depressing reading through Kings and Chronicles. I'm so... Well, I'm kind of glad I, I finished. Yeah finish it all and uh yeah thank you looking towards the, the major minor prophet because i'm nice one year reading program but anyway thanks thanks you for bet, letting me know. god bless you okay, bye-bye well i'll just jump in there after lynn lynn uh had to go but i'll just um jump in there and tell you you know it's funny during uh 2020 when the pandemic started and you know uh, initially churches were all meeting online then we all came back in person but we as took our church through the book of first and second kings the books of first and second kings it took us almost a year to do it and you know it was an interesting thing because like it, you know it's it's generally hard to study through those books as it is but then to do that in the midst of a pandemic seem like kind of a counterintuitive thing to do. And yet we really felt the Lord was leading us to do it. And I got to tell you, it was one of the best studies we've ever done with our church. And it was so timely. It was incredible how many things that were addressed. Remember all the upheaval going on in the world, especially in 2020. And there were so many times when the passage we were studying exactly address that thing. And we weren't trying to. We were just studying verse by verse through the Bible. There's a saying in, in our Calvary Chapel circles. We say, wherever you are in the word, that's where you are. In other words, there's this incredible way that God speaks to you and speaks into your situation just as you faithfully study through the word. And we experienced that studying through First and Second Kings, and it was super encouraging. So if any of you out there are interested in listening to those studies, you can find them. They're on our website. Go to whitefieldschurch.com. And if you click on the media section or the sermons button, uh, you can find the series. It was called Desiring the Kingdom. And just to Lynn's point that it's a little bit depressing, I think it's meant to be that way. It's meant to show us that all earthly kings and kingdoms fail, and it's meant to 
kind of continually stoke within us this desire for the true king, Jesus, and the kingdom which he is going to bring, which will not be a failure like all of the earthly kingdoms. It also tells us not to put our hope in uh, politics and the kingdoms of this world, but to understand that there is a true king and his kingdom, and that is where our hope must lie. So let's go to our next caller, Eleanor in Loveland, Colorado. Hi, Eleanor. Welcome to the program. Hi. Um, thanks for taking my call. I had a question about healthy boundaries um, in your family after you're married um, when it's not your father and mother. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I feel like the Bible's very clear. You're supposed to leave and cleave, they say. Um, and we live really close to our in-laws, or to my in-laws, I should say. And basically, to make a long story short, there was a really bad divorce that happened in my husband's childhood, and it caused um, his siblings to depend on him pretty much exclusively when he was growing up and pretty much honestly up until we got married. And when we got married, I guess I didn't really realize how extensive that was. And I don't think he did either because it was just, hey, we need this. Can you uh, help? And he would have the free time so he could go. And now we're kind of stuck in this really weird place where we want to help, but we feel like we don't have time. But then we're thinking, well, do we have time? And we're just choosing the wrong thing. And so I guess I'm wondering how do we make those decisions and um, how do we honor his family while also kind of making sure that we stay sane? Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, healthy boundaries are, are really important. And they're, they're a way for you to, you know, I don't know if you have kids, but um, it's a way for you to also show your kids that you love them. There's something, you know, that you're prioritizing them. I mean, the fact is, look, there there's kind of an infinite amount of things that all of us could do, which would be very good things to do, whether, whether they're for your family members or for other people. And this is always something that we're, we're trying to figure out, you know, strike that. I don't even want to use the word balance, but I will just say that we're striking that important, healthy balance between um, doing the things that God has uniquely called us to do and doing the things that we could do. And so I would just say this, I get, that's going to vary person to person as far as like, you know, what is the healthy boundary? How much is too much? I think that you and your husband need to just be communicating about that. And there there needs to be a prioritizing of each other's opinion, kind of like hearing each other, right? Like, so if you say to him, hey, I feel like this is too much. Um, there are things that we need to prioritize our family right now. I think that that's okay. And I think okay. that, um, but I think you need to have that conversation. I, and I'll tell you in my life, you know, I have a pretty large extended family and there've been times when we've taken in members of our family who needed help in a certain time and then there have also been times when we've said, okay, so that now we have to draw a line and say, okay, just for the sake of our family and also um, maybe even for your sake, right? To to teach you not to depend so much on us, but to to kind of kick you out of the nest, so to say, in a loving way. Like that, those are all really important things to do. And I, and I would just say, yeah, be seeking the Lord together and let this be 
I think this is perhaps the most important thing I'll say is that let this be a unifying experience for you and your husband, where it's a thing where you guys are seeking the Lord together about what to do in a particular situation. And I would hope that that would draw you together and that you could be unified. I know I've experienced that in my life and I've seen it in other people where difficult times and hard decisions can either have the effect of being a unifying force where you seek the Lord and, and it causes you to be you know, drawn together and drawn towards the Lord, or they can create a wedge between you. So you can't allow that to become a wedge. But if it becomes a unifying force, man, that's, that's really helpful. And so I think clear, honest communication with the family members as well to say, hey, we love you. And the reason we're saying no right now is not because we don't love you. It's not because we're being selfish, or maybe you don't even want to bring that up, but just to say, hey, we absolutely love you. But in this situation, um, we have, we're prioritizing this thing. You know, say that in your words in the right, right way that sounds good, but that's what you want to communicate. Okay. Thank you so much. That actually, that really cleared everything up. And um, just, I just heard what you just said um, about the, oh, now I'm, now I'm losing it, but um about wherever you are in God's Word, that's where you are. Mm -hmm. And it's funny that you just were talking so much about unity because I wasn't even thinking that this was going to be a conversation about unity, but we have been, where we're reading in our Bible, everything has been about unity. So I think God's speaking to us in that way. So thank you for furthering the message. Really cool. So, hey, may the Lord just give you guys so much wisdom and unify you. Thank you so much. You bet. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to Calvary Live. Uh, you are listening to the show where you can call in with your Bible questions and your prayer requests. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church. I'm your host here every Friday on Calvary Live. We've got one open line. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Lucy in Colorado Springs. Hi, Lucy. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I pray for you guys. You're making so much difference in lots of people's lives, and I'm one of them. I called you and you prayed for me before to have uh, Christian people working with me. Mm. And now I have another request, Pastor. I'm having uh, health issues. They found nodules on my lungs. And I had thyroid cancer 10 years ago, and thank God, God healed me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so now I have this issue going on, and I just want God to be with me through this and use it for his glory, whether if he wants to heal me, I will receive that, and I will serve him for the rest of my days, be mm-hmm. a witness that he did this in my life, or just use this situation to draw my family closer to him and have their faith stronger in him. Mm -hmm. Uh, My husband, my boys, three of them, they're grown men now, and my mom, my brother, my sister. You know how it is when you're going to, like, leave the world, you think of your loved ones more than anything. So please, if you can... Pray for me that God will help me through this and help my family. Yes, let's pray for you. 
Heavenly Father, we pray for Lucy, just all of us listening right now. We pray for her and what she's going through with this health issue, these nodules they found on her lungs and with the history of cancer. Lord, first of all, we ask for your healing in her life. We thank you for the ways that you've heard her prayers before and the ways that we've gotten to be a part of that. So thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy in her life. And Lord, now we pray for her just asking for health. Uh, we ask for you to remove these nodules from her lungs, for her to be healed of whatever this is that they've seen in the scan. Lord, we pray for her family, just as she's thinking about them and uh, those who she cares about so much. Lord, we pray that this would be this whole process of going through this that awaits them, or that it would be something that draws them together and unifies them. It would also be something that causes them to turn to you rather than turning away from you. And so, Lord, we know that the enemy would love to use these kinds of trials in our lives to make us embittered or to turn against you. But, Lord, we pray against that. We pray that that would not happen in this case. We pray that, Lord, you would give them uh, faith, just a supernatural gift of faith to trust you in the midst of this. And we pray for Lucy, Lord, that you would use this to open up doors and opportunities that she would never have had otherwise, both for her own growth but also for the good of, of uh, her family and the ability to minister to them. So Lord, we pray for her and pray just blessing upon her and for health and for you to use this in her family, for you to keep them in your grace. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. May God bless you and bless all the other pastors. I listen to this radio all day long when I'm driving to work, driving home. And I pray with you guys, and I pray for the people that call and ask for prayers as well. May God bless you all, and thank you very, very much, Pastor. Oh, God bless you, Lucy. We can't wait to hear from you again soon. Thank you. Yes, I will call and report to you as soon as I can. Thank you. Awesome. God bless you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host here on Fridays. And this is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. The number to call, 303-690-3000. We've got two open lines now. So 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Pat in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Pat. Welcome to the program. Hey, Nick. How are you doing? Doing great. Good to hear from you. Good. Nick. I just would like your take on something. Um, I was, I'm trying to communicate uh, to someone who's going through troubles about sharing in the sufferings of Christ. And the particular piece of scripture I was looking at was 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. Yeah. I know you, you've just been doing a study on this, and mm -hmm. you're in chapter 5 now or something, so we kind of got past this chapter. Yeah. How do you explain to someone the importance of realizing that sharing in the sufferings of Christ brings you closer to God and how to use your troubles mm. to support others and be, comfort others because of the support and comfort you got? How do I describe sharing in the sufferings of Christ? Yeah, you know, when Paul talks about that, so another place to look for that is in... Um, Philippians chapter 3. So there's an important passage there 
where um, Paul says, he says, um, for the sake of Jesus, well, I should go back one verse. So uh, verse seven of Philippians chapter three, he says, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. In fact, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness that depends, or the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now check out what he says in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So here's what Paul's saying. He's saying that one of the ways that we get to know Jesus is actually through our sufferings. Many people have this assumption that, you know, if you're doing everything the way that God wants you to, then you won't have problems in life. That's actually what the whole book of 2 Corinthians is addressing, is that there were people in Corinth who were critical of Paul because they said, this guy suffers too much. Surely he can't be a man of God. Because a man of God, you know, if God was really with him, if he was really anointed, then he wouldn't suffer so much. He wouldn't have so much, you know, misfortune. He wouldn't be sick all the time. He wouldn't have these problems. And yet Paul's saying, no, 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 you're missing it. That's not it right there. That sometimes God allows you to suffer and it's through your suffering that you grow in him and it's through your suffering that he uses you in ways that he could never have used you otherwise. And, um, you know, it's interesting, Pat, I just was in Ukraine. I think maybe I mentioned it on the show if you heard it. Um, I was in Ukraine. I'm sorry, not in Ukraine. I was in Austria working with people from Ukraine. We did a conference through Calvary Chapel in uh, mid-July. And I had the opportunity to teach, you know, so here's 110 or so Ukrainian aid workers and relief workers, people who've been on the front lines. And how do you speak into that situation? And I felt like God pointed me to this passage and also gave me kind of an illustration to use. And I'll kind of use that um, to explain the answer to your question. The illustration was this, that there, you know, there's this island called Krakatoa. It's in Indonesia. And in the 1800s, Krakatoa exploded. So the, the, the thing just blew up, the, the volcano that makes up this island. And it completely destroyed the island. 30,000 plus people died. Like literally everybody on the island died, as did every animal and every plant on the island. In fact, the entire landscape of the island changed, right? So where there used to be a mountain, there was mountain was gone. Where there used to be bays, the bays were gone. But there were new bays that opened up. And right, the whole landscape completely changed. And so a few years after the explosion, some Dutch scientists went there and they looked at Krakatoa and they said, nothing will ever live here again. There's, there will be no more life on this island ever again because it's been so decimated. And how would, how would there ever be life? Everything that you know, creates life here is gone. And yet, much to their surprise, many years later, you know, actually not that many years later, several years later, um, life came back to Krakatoa. First in the plants that were carried by birds. You know, birds were carrying the seeds of plants uh, over the island, and they, they would drop these seeds. But the most interesting thing about Krakatoa is that actually what caused life to come back to the island was that there were seeds that were dormant in the soil, and those seeds were opened up by the heat of the fire. In fact, here's what's so crazy. 
those were seeds that could not have been opened up in any other way except by the heat of the fire. That's how tough those nuts were, if you were, were to use a euphemism, right? So in other words, the devastation that took place was real. It was real devastation, real, you know, true, true hurt and pain and sorrow and, and destruction. And yet it was actually that situation which caused the growth that could have only taken place in that way to take place. And yet that's so, that's what's so interesting. Isn't that sometimes true in our lives that there are these seeds that lie dormant in our lives, like the seed of God's word or the seed of something God wants to do in our lives. And they lie dormant until perhaps even devastation, but devastation might carry with it the heat of that trial which is the one thing that can finally open up those seeds. Not, and, and so it's true in our lives. It's also true in the lives of other people. So I was relating this to Ukraine, right? That this is an absolutely devastating thing that's happening. It's changing the landscape of your country, changing the landscape of your lives. And yet, could this also be something that God uses, the heat of this trial, to open up seeds that lay dormant in the soil? You know, maybe this will be the thing that, that God uses and people who are there in Ukraine are going to be able to, to, to come to the Lord now as a result. Maybe they, they weren't interested before, or maybe in your life, this is something that God's going to use to open up seeds that were dormant. And so I think that's the case here with what Paul's saying about suffering as well, that God uses suffering in some cases to accomplish his work and to, both in us and through us. And last thing I'll say that in John's gospel, you know, Jesus says, in this world, you will have tribulation. And a lot of us look at that and we say, oh man, that's a bummer of a promise. That's the biggest bummer of all Bible promises. And I would say, no, 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 it's not. It's actually really comforting because I'll tell you why. It means that when suffering comes into our lives, it means that it's not that God hasn't abandoned us. God hasn't failed. This is normal stuff in this life. And remember the end of the sentence. Jesus said, not only will you have tribulation in this world, but be of good cheer because I have overcome the world. There's the hope of the gospel. So right now, God uses these things for good by his grace through his redemptive power, and he will overcome the world. That's our ultimate hope. So that's all I've got for you, Pat, but I hope that helps. That's more than enough, Nick. I, I knew your take would, would enhance my understanding. You just... you're. You're so extremely helpful to me. So I want to thank you for that. And what an encouragement you gave to those people in Ukraine. What a way to, boy, that, that had to be real sticky for you. Mm. <laughs> what do you. Like you said, what do you say to people that are in the midst of this? It's, wow. Yeah, and you know, I got to say, I was a little bit trepidatious in sharing that. You know, I didn't want to be presumptuous, but man, um, I just so many people came and said, you know, that was the word of the Lord to me today, so... Pastor Nick, may God continue to bless you and your ministry. You have a blessed day. God bless you, Pat. Love hearing you from you. Thanks for calling in. All right, bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. We've come to the end of our show. I do want to get one text message in before we go. This person texted quite a while ago, 35 minutes ago. I want to answer your question. How do you find out your spiritual gifts? Here's what I'd tell you. Spiritual gifts, they're outlined. First of all, look at the outlines of spiritual gifts in the Bible. And those are found in two passages specifically. 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12. So read those two passages and look at the spiritual gifts and then consider what are the things that come supernaturally natural to you? 
Maybe that's the way God's gifted you. Actually, ask other people. I'm personally not a fan of spiritual gift tests. Uh, some people are. Some Sometimes they're great. But I'll tell you this. Um, what are the things that come supernaturally natural to you? And what are the things that other people see in you that you might not even see in yourself? Right? So ask them. What gifts do you think I have? But also, uh, we, we like to use this instruction. So or this illustration. Let's say I'm up there, I'm preaching, and, and, and um, a little child runs up to give me a glass of water, and they trip and fall, and that glass falls on the ground, and it breaks into all these pieces. How are you going to react, right? Some people uh, are going to react based on their spiritual gifts, right? Some people will be like, hey, where's the broom? Where's the mop? I'm just going to help clean this up. Other people want to grab that child and comfort them, right, and bring them uh, comfort. That's like the gift of mercy. Other people are going to say, hey, how much does it cost to, to get this floor in here fixed so that doesn't happen again? Maybe they have the gift of giving. Others have the gift of teaching. They want to instruct the whole church on proper running procedures so that they don't trip and fall in the future. Other people might have the gift of leadership, right? Let's build a team. Let's have a committee. Let's do all these things so we can uh, prevent these things from happening or so we can care for those who fall in our congregation. Others might have a gift of prophecy. They might say, hey, Here's the word of the Lord to us. Just as this young man tripped and fell, beware in these days in which we walk that you do not fall yourself, right? So anyway, whatever it is that comes supernaturally natural to you, that might be a, a hint that that is your spiritual gift. So um, yeah, someone just texted saying, hey, you should write a blog post on that. Um, I have given a sermon on that. If you're interested, go to our website, whitefieldschurch.com uh, and go to 1 Corinthians 12. And also, I did a series on the spiritual gifts called The Risen Life and The Spirit-Filled Life. And those are on the gifts of the Spirit and the working of the Holy Spirit. Hey, that's brought us to the end of our show. Thanks for tuning in and listening, calling. Great interaction today. I loved it. I'll be with you again next Friday. Until then, I'd love it if you'd check out our church online, whitefieldschurch.com. Love to have you join us this Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30 and 11. And you can check out my website as well, nickkady.org. I'll be with you again next week on Friday. God bless you. Have a great drive and a safe weekend. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.